The National Institute of Standards and Technology is asking stakeholders to assess the nearly two-year-old cybersecurity framework, an amalgamation of standards, guidelines, and practices aimed to secure critical infrastructures, information assets. Adam Sedgwick is the government's point man on the cybersecurity framework, and he says NIST is asking stakeholders how the framework's best practices are being shared, the value of various aspects of the framework, and whether or not it should be updated. Some stakeholders see 2016 as the year a revised version of the framework comes out. But Sedgwick says, not so fast. A lot of folks out in the industry have been calling this version 2.0. We actually don't call it version 2.0 because at this point, we're not even aware if an update is necessary. That's some of the questions we're asking. And then if there was an update, it might not need to be version 2.0. It could be version 1.1 or 1.5. These are all questions that we have out in the RFI that we're interested in getting feedback in. Should revisions be made, Sedgwick is unsure of a time frame for issuing an updated version. That depends on what NIST hears from the stakeholders from the request for information. The results from the RFI will help set the agenda for a cybersecurity framework workshop to be held April 6th and 7th at NIST's Gaithersburg, Maryland campus outside of Washington. A key question NIST is asking stakeholders is how the cybersecurity framework should be managed in the years to come. This sees itself not as the owner of the framework, but as its convener and facilitator. This wrote version one of the framework after extensive consultations with the private sector. And Sedgwick says it's important for the private sector to take the reins in driving future renditions of the framework. It's important for a number of reasons. One reason is the same reason that we have policies relating to international standards. We generally think that these approaches work better if industries updating these policies and standards and guidelines based on their own needs. We also talk a lot about international uses. We want to have a governance and we want to have an approach that can scale across countries. It's something that we know is very important to our stakeholders because a lot of the businesses that make up our critical infrastructure are international businesses. If you're dealing with competing frameworks from different countries or different areas, then you'll spend more resources thinking about those different structures than using those resources to develop better internal protection. Since publication of the cybersecurity framework in February 2014, Sedgwick has logged tens of thousands of miles, perhaps more, traveling around the country, speaking with organizations that have implemented the framework, and he likes what he sees and hears. We are seeing it used by sectors um, well out of critical infrastructure, and I think that's a good thing. It's something we definitely need to continue to support. If you look at the responses to our last RFI, which was about a year ago, and if you look at the segments of the economy that are responding and saying that we're using the cybersecurity framework, and they're using it because they believe that it helps improve their cybersecurity risk management practices, then I think we have a pretty good baseline there. We're also seeing it being used by people that are providing services, and that makes it easier for the organizations themselves. So that might be the people providing the technology services. It might be the insurance industry. It might be the auditing community. So when you have all those threads coming together, it helps reduce the complexity and easier makes it easier for organizations to manage their risk. So we're seeing the people who support the users of the framework incorporating the framework in their advice, their products, things like that? Right. Go to NIST Cybersecurity Framework Industry Resource page and you'll see organizations such as HITECH, the Energy Department, and the FCC providing guidance to implement the framework. The likes of the Conference of State Bank Supervisors, National Association of Corporate Directors, and the Food and Drug Administration incorporate the cybersecurity framework in their own guidance. That's a good piece of this, too. That's, that, that's kind of showing that the market's accepting it. It's tough to find hard numbers on how many organizations have adopted the framework. 
A just-issued survey by computer maker Dell shows that 82% of federal IT respondents say their organizations use the framework to improve their security stance, with three-quarters responding the framework serves as a foundation for their own cybersecurity roadmap. And though it doesn't specifically reference the NIST framework, 9 of 10 respondents to PricewaterhouseCoopers 2016 Global State of Information Security Survey say their organizations have adopted risk-based cybersecurity frameworks. Still, Sedgwick says it's not just the number of organizations adopting the framework, but who's using it. He cites boards of directors as a framework constituency. Indeed, the PricewaterhouseCoopers survey reveals that 45% of boards participate in the development of the overall security strategy for their organizations. One of the key conversations that has emerged from the framework is the role of other people within an organization in managing cyber risk. While this was often relegated purely to the IT departments, increasingly uh, CEOs and CFOs and board of directors are trying to understand what their roles are. The framework itself, trying to move away from some technical language and talk about the concept of identify, detect, protect, respond, recover, has been helpful in beginning that conversation. National Association of Corporate Directors guidance provides additional information on how to structure that conversation, and we're seeing other things develop along those lines as well. The cybersecurity framework is based on outcomes and not tied to specific technologies. Still, Sedgwick says he's interested in hearing from stakeholders on any influences rapidly changing technology could have on the way organizations employ the framework. One of the reasons why the stakeholders are so adamant that everything should be in the language of the outcome um, instead of technology itself was to really get at, get at the fact that the technology changes so fast, so it's better to focus on people and processes. But that being said, I think it'll be really interesting to learn if some of the changes in technology have led to certain elements being uh, more important than others. And what are those elements? What are those technologies? Well, if you look at the roadmap itself and some of the areas there, I think a lot of those areas are being um, impacted by new technologies coming in. So something like authentication that we have a really big program on, that's a good area to understand are there new authentication technologies that organizations are leveraging. In the coming year, look for individual industrial sectors on their own to fine-tune the framework to meet their specific needs. And if changes are made to the overall cybersecurity framework, don't expect to find radical ones in a new version. After all, as Sedgwick long maintained, the framework is a living document, one that evolves. And for the framework, evolution is not a rapid process, one that doesn't necessarily change at internet speed. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.